This episode of Electric Entertainment is filmed before a fake studio audience. Welcome back to another episode of Electric Entertainment, everybody. We have an exciting episode here that we have just been chomping at the bit to get to this episode. It's been on our list of of shows that, that we've kind of planned out for a long period of time and one that we are super excited to get get to talk to each other about because I know we've got several several shows that fall into this category that we both enjoy but also we both have our different favorites of and really it, it starts back long 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 before we were ever born but definitely gets into the decades that we love um, 70s 80s and and even the 90s and even up until today and what we want to talk about today, and I know we have a lot of listeners that listen to our show uh, every other week, and I know there's going to be a lot of memories that flow out of this episode that we're going to share with everybody. And what better way to engage with the show than check us out on social media. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please do so, because we've got a lot of really good content that we're putting out there at least every two weeks. Um, I know we've dropped a lot of bonus episodes, and I know we've put a lot of extra content out there in this season just because we've got so much that we're covering and we're, we're continuously bringing this to you and if you haven't subscribed then you're not getting all the latest uh, from us if you have we appreciate that thank you uh, if you haven't please do so that way you're getting the latest episode as soon as it drops our social media we have Facebook Twitter Instagram TikTok even and uh, one of the big things that I know Ryan puts a lot of time and energy into is Letterbox. if you have not checked out Letterboxd box yet we have so many reviews out there and a lot recently we've had a lot of re- of 90s t- uh, 90s movies that have been reviewed that Ryan's done a block on and if you've not checked those out please do so uh, you you get a lot of, of information in regards to review but also a lot of movies that you may not have thought about recently uh, definitely check that out and check out some of those movies that Ryan's doing a great job reviewing so what we want to talk about in this episode and the reason I say it'll bring back a lot of memories because this started way back early in the 90s and and ran through all of the decades and we've got there's there's number ones throughout the decades and definitely tops that uh, a lot of people listening and us included have have watched over those decades either as they ran live went syndicated or now that that we collect physical media have on DVDs and Blu-rays. What we're going to talk about today are sitcoms and how they got the start and really the the big sitcoms that we know of throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s and why they were so popular and how we 
we've seen sitcoms changed over the decades, even up until today. So that's what we're going to get into. I'm Chris, your host. Ryan, co-host, is with me. Ryan, how's it going? And I'm excited to get into this discussion. How about you? Oh, yeah, it's going good. Yes, uh, this is an awesome topic to discuss. There's so much to talk about, so much to cover with sitcoms. I mean, this is, I mean, like you said, this there's so much history here that it just stretches far back into the, uh, the yeah, mid-50s, early 50s. I, there's there's just plethora of television shows, and it's I've always found that interesting. I've always wanted to discuss and talk about, um, yeah, just this impact of having a live studio audience, because that's kind of just not the norm, right? I mean, when we think about watching or being entertained by watching something, the first thing that comes to your mind is going to the movie theater and watching it like a, a, a movie uh, in a theater or, or with an audience, like as you are live. So it's just a, a, it's kind of a unique dynamic where you're watching it, something on TV and you have a, a, you hear you hear a reaction in the background, an, an instantaneous reaction. So uh, I always found that interesting, and it's a very I think it'll be a great uh, discussion to get into uh, as we because we're wanting to kind of dive into each of our decades. That's kind of our criteria that we discuss the 70s, 80s, and 90s. But we do want to touch on the early beginnings of this idea, this concept of the sitcom or the situation comedy. Yeah, for sure. So it and a couple of these I'm I'm jumping into some Wikipedia here just to kind of get the start of and the early beginnings of the sitcom. And in reading some of of those early years of the sitcom, actually when it first got its start was way back in actually January of 1926. Now, before we knew television, the sitcom was actually born out of the radio. So January of 1926, there was a, a sitcom format that was born in that year that was actually a broadcast from WGN Radio in Chicago, Illinois, and the broadcast was Sam and Henry. Henry, this young tooth is about to kill me. I ain't never had a toothache like this before. Well, here's the dentist's office. Let's open the door and get on in. It was a 15-minute daily program, and it ran through those early years of establishing the sitcom. Other programs that came out of that, there were the Jack Benny program. It was a radio TV comedy. There was Fibber McGee and Molly. It was another radio, popular radio sitcom that ran up until the 1940s, 1935 and into the 40s. And then in the, in the 1940s, that's when we kind of seen the shift or the actually early starts of television so we went from getting our entertainment from the radio just audibly to now we actually had a television program that you could actually visually see the sitcom and in the early uh, sitcom from the 1940s that actually aired from 1947 to 1950 was Mary Kay and Johnny I do not know what this show was I actually went back and and tried to YouTube some early uh, shows of that was not successful in being able to find it. So I, I'm not real sure uh, what Mary Kay and Johnny was. Ryan, I don't know. Do you know? Uh, no, don't okay. have a clue. All right, so I don't know what that was, but in 1951, 
everybody that is listening right now, including Ryan, I'm, I'm assuming you know this show, and myself, because when I was a little kid, this was still on Nick at Night. This was a syndicated show that got its start in 1951, but still had countless episodes being aired, even up until this day, I believe. Uh, and I'm sure everybody's going to know this when I say, I love Lucy. <laughs> I Love Lucy originally ran in 1951 to 1957 on CBS. And uh, Ryan, I'm sure you know that show, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so Lucy yeah. and, yeah, Lucy and Desi, we we actually just had a uh, Amazon movie that highlighted their success and their life as a couple with the I Love Lucy show. This is what catapulted the sitcom into the success that we know it today. Lucy was a tremendous success for CBS. And it was the dynamic of the couple, but it was also Lucy uh, as the the actress herself that made made the show. Remember that name. Minor Vatimidi Mac. And it was it was such a success that uh, CBS and other NBC, other TV shows started thinking about how they could create uh, the sitcoms and create more of because America was just was just loving what they were seeing. We also in 1955, uh, as a result of the success of I Love Lucy, uh, seen another successful show. And I don't know, Ryan, I'm, I'm going to ask you if you know this one. I, I'm sure you do or have heard of it, but it's a show by the name of The Honeymooners. Jackie Gleason. The Honeymooners. With the stars Art Carney. Audrey Meadows and Joyce Randolph. Do you remember this show? Have you ever watched any of it? Oh yes, yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so again, another another successful uh, sitcom show in the 1950s that kind of gets us pushing towards the end of that decade. There was there was others included in the in there but those are the big names of the 1950s for the sitcom and then we get into 1960 another cbs success i'm going to say with the andy griffith show the andy griffith show starring andy griffith with ronnie howard also starring eleanor donahue and don nuts 
The Andy Griffith Show, again, is a show that ran from 1960 to 1968 and still to this day has episodes that are played in in some station somewhere that you can catch either through cable television or through streaming platforms. I recently picked up a Blu-ray box set of the complete collection of The Andy Griffith Show. Talk about a successful sitcom TV show. The Andy Griffith Show, Ryan, what are your thoughts with The Andy Griffith Show? Oh yeah, at the time it was just revolutionary, groundbreaking. I mean, they took this idea of small town USA. So for the majority of Americans living in you know rural America, I, they it resonated with that kind of uh, that audience. Hi, Andy. Hi, boy. Look at that, would you? What's that? My old history book, the one I used way back in the eighth grade. I'll be dog. <laughs> And with all this talk with Opie about how good he's doing in school and all, I got to thinking about my own school and I dug that up. <laughs> my old history book. Bernard P. Fife. Hmm. This book belongs to Bernard P. Fife. If lost or stolen, please return to Bernard P. Fife. Signed, Bernard P. Fife. <laughs> Your book? Yeah. Look at the next page. The History of the United States of America by Bernard P. Fife. <laughs> well, remember how we used to paste our own names over the authors? Oh, yeah. Boy, you've had this a long time. Well, since the eighth grade. Huh. And you want to know something? There's things right there in that book that I learned that I still remember to this day. Oh, come on. To this day. It's amazing how that stuff stays with you. Once you learn something, it never leaves you. It stays locked up tight right in the old loop. <laughs> Does, huh? Sure. Here, let me show you. Yeah. Constitution of the United States. Now, we had to memorize the preamble of that. Mm. I still remember it. You do? Yeah. Here, I'll show you. Hold the book on me. Okay. <clears throat> All right, go ahead. Constitution of the United States. Give me the first word and I'll know the rest. Okay, we. We. We? We. Are you sure? I'm looking right at you. We. We! The. The. We the. We the. Perfect, perfect 
you... you to form a more perfect you. Union. Union. In order to form a more perfect union... S... S... Ta... Ta... Ble... Establish. 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 You want to run through that again, or do you think you got it? I got. It. You learn something, you learn it. You see, I mean, you've seen all these different characters throughout the series. You see them, yeah, like people just kind of grew up with them, kind of. And I can, I have that same feeling with other TV shows because I mean, I didn't obviously grow up in the '60s, but yeah, uh, but it was a show that, yeah, it not only resonated with, yeah, like small town America, but yeah, a lot of people. It really, it kind of really brought. I, I kind of consider it kind of like the one of the first true family sitcoms because I really feel like it yeah. was a show that really brought the family together. Yeah, right. yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, Andy, Aunt B, uh, gosh, it, it was. Yeah, it was. Definitely a heartfelt show that that brought the family to watch it as it was an event for families, right? To to sit in front of the TV and and see yeah. to see Andy and the town of Mayberry, Barney, and it it was just a, a wholesome show that the whole family could really enjoy. You know the interesting thing about this: the Andy Griffith Show is one of only three shows to have its final season be the number one ranked show on television. The other two of those being one we already covered and talked about, I Love Lucy, and one that we will cover at a later decade being Seinfeld. In 1998, there was more than 5 million people a day that watched the Andy Griffith Show's reruns on 120 stations. That's just remarkable. So there's a lot you could say. You could do a whole episode on the Andy Griffith Show, right? I mean, this this is just a staple in the sitcoms, but we're not covering the 60s, really. There's another show I want to cover in the 60s before we get into the decades that we cover with Electric Entertainment, that being the 70s, 80s, and 90s. There's another show that I... I truly enjoy, um, I watched it as a kid, very similar to like the Andy Griffith show. I, I remember watching it. It was black and white, same as I Love Lucy. It was Nick at Night. And it was one that ran on CBS from 1961 to 1966, but was so successful. It again had um, these syndicated reruns that just just ran throughout the years, throughout the decades because it was so successful. I wanted to cover it, too, before we jump into the 70s, because I feel like you can't talk about sitcoms without talking about this one either, and that's The Dick Van Dyke Show. The Dick Van Dyke Show.
I remember watching it as a kid in black and white, and it again is one that you can catch on rerun episodes today somewhere, but also have it on a physical media Blu-ray format uh, that I've just watched countless times. And it's another show that I, I just love. Dick Van Dyke, what a comedic genius he was at the time for the sitcom era to be getting its start as well. What do you think? Do you, do you remember ever watching Dick Van Dyke show, Ryan? Uh, yeah, a little bit. And one of the key things that really stick out to me for that show, for the time, because we're talking about we're talking about the 60s. I mean, this is, I mean, we're talking about 60 years ago, right? 60, 70 years ago. I remember that one of the things that um, really stuck with me was that that aspect because uh, you don't see it now, but back then that was the norm about the man and the wife, the husband and wife sleeping in separate beds. You just don't see that in today's uh, oh yeah. Modern time. Back then that was the norm. So for me to see that when when I had seen episodes of the Dick, Dick Van Dyke show just years ago, I found that just just to be just like the weirdest thing because I'm not used to that. So it, you can learn a lot and you can take away you can take a lot from these older sitcom shows you'll you'll learn a lot definitely like i said with that like i i had no idea that that was the norm what about you did you when you viewed that show because it was really one of the few shows on at the time that you know highlighted a married couple between a husband and wife so it was really the only show on tv at the time that showed that where it was normal for couples or husbands and wives to sleep in separate beds so uh, i don't know what what do you think about that yeah it it you know thinking back when i was a kid i didn't i don't know i didn't really have i guess a lot of thought about that but now seeing that and even with like i love lucy it, it was the same way it was uh lucy in one bed desi in another and seeing what we see now or even what our kids see now with the shows that they are raised on just talk about worlds of difference between yeah. then and now with uh, the normal sitcoms that we know of the 2020s uh, versus the 1950s and 1960s it, it's just it, it is totally different worlds right I mean it was a different yeah. it, it was a different audience I guess then and it was a different what the audience was receptive of you didn't see couples sleeping in the same beds now you see <laughs> you see everything on TV or on Netflix or whatever oh, yeah. it is you're watching it, right it, it is totally it, it, night and day yeah you see the same same sex people get sleeping in the same beds and that's the norm now but, but that's, that's our society I, though right I mean that's yeah. the society we live in that's yeah. this spoke to those that were watching the sitcoms of the time what we have today is such a variety because we have so many different uh, people that are viewing these episodes you can choose what you watch today then oh. there was three channels right there was not i mean it you watched this and there were millions of people watching it because you didn't have options now we have millions yeah. of options options to to watch that speaks exactly to what we want to see but 
on TV or streaming. But what you touched on that though, uh, so uh, studios and cable networks back then, yeah, their their demographic was very narrow. They had like they really back then they only had maybe like one or two demographics. That's people of a certain age, probably fifty and over. But now you look at um, like you said, yeah, with all these different options of streaming services. But even still today, with our all the different cable networks, there's such a vast uh, difference and there's there's demographics all across the board so they have to pander to you know not only young adolescents young teenagers to people in their mid to late 20s to uh 30 and over so that's what made it uh uh you know kind of interesting now that uh it because back then yeah we back then we didn't have the population that we do have now and back then we didn't have all those options like today like you said we've got millions of options now but back then there was what two or three channels two or three networks so their demographic was very very small yeah yeah and and that's almost another whole episode of something totally different than what aligns with electric entertainment it is like yeah we we have become it's it's interesting the times we live in because everything is out there whatever it is you're searching for is there and available back then it wasn't that case it it was you had limited availability to especially in the entertainment world you had limited availability of what was there for you to consume that's that's totally different now you you can consume what whatever it is you're looking for is out there somewhere and you can access it instantly and you know it's kind of like a um, give and take or it's kind of like a, I consider that to be kind of like a, a kind of a lat down because when you can get things instantaneous, you also see things like instantaneously, like you're not surprised by anything anymore. Yeah, like back yeah. then when new shows came out, like I, that was a surprise. You were like, what, who's this, what shows this, what actor is this? But with our access to online and seeing things on a daily basis, like you get, you're in, you're in the now, like the, yeah. I got a Perfect example, real quick. I, one of my all-time favorite sitcom shows is that '70s show that aired in the late '90s and early 2000s. Netflix is dropping a sequel series similar to what they did to Full House, and this sequel series to that '70s show is called That '90s Show. Well, yesterday Netflix dropped this big article about how almost all of the original cast from that '70s show will be showing up, you know, reprising their roles as their characters from that 70s show so they'll be in like guest episodes but like back then you would have never known that right with with the internet uh with uh stuff being leaked back then at that show if this was if we were back in even the 90s back in the 90s like we never would have known that yeah that you would be able to see characters show up you know so i don't know it's a give and take kind of thing but even like new movies that drop trailers there's so much that's given away with those it's like a lot of people don't even want to watch trailers now because there's so much given away and and it's like that stuff is leaked months in advance of when things released so it does take away the surprise of a lot of that that we experience nowadays and back then it was like everything was a surprise all right so those were the kind of getting us started decades that really got the sitcoms i feel off the ground and really brought momentum to see that there's tremendous success in having that live studio audience and having this experience for people and and all the people that were new to this technology that were coming together as a family to uh, the entertainment box, the television, 
that they could bring into the homes of those individuals that had this. And starting 1970s, 80s, and 90s, which we're going to cover a lot of different shows in those decades, that's when we've seen it really take off. But I felt like we needed to mention those because those were foundational to actually getting the start. So before we jump into TV shows in those decades, Ryan, what do you think about the dynamic of a live audience for those television shows? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it's it's really everything for the studio that's producing whatever shows on having that live studio audience it, it really it, there's a lot of factors that um, that really uh, help them engaging kind of reactions and one is yeah the having that instantaneous not only reaction but having a uh, having that um, having kind of like a, a gauging like whatever the storyline is or the characters it is, it gives them kind of this notion of what what's working or what's not working. Like what, what do they throw up against the wall? And so it kind of feeds, so the audience feeds the actors in every episode right. then, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm curious because doesn't, so thinking about a live studio audience, are they given the applause light? Are they given the cheer light or what, or whatever you call it? Aren't they prompted to do a lot of those things or is it more spontaneous back in those original sitcom episodes with the live studio audience? Are they really feeding the actors to really think, okay, this is working, this isn't working, this is what we should be doing more of to carry on to the next episodes? Yeah, that's something that, like, because if you would go back and watch any of these these shows, and obviously it's going to be a sitcom, because that's what we're talking about, but if you'd go back and watch any of these sitcoms, you would see, or if you listened, you would hear almost about every, not not only about every line, but every joke it's almost about every 10 or 15 seconds you would hear an audience laughing right Mm -hmm. it'd almost be like monogamous it'd be almost be like it sounds like a laughing track yeah so i mean i think you're right there i I think they were whatever studio it is they're they are prompted to give an applause because you see that like you see um whatever you've watched or seen you've seen like kind of like the backstage production of a television show or you would see like they would have these um, devices where they would, yeah, ever so often have uh, the audience uh, react in, in a certain manner or yeah. certain way. But it, it kind of, no, it kind of, yeah, it's very uh, repetitious or very repetitive. But I'm going to, I'm going to kind of ask you this question. Wouldn't it feel weird? Like, no. So knowing that there's a live studio audience, right? Yeah. If you would go back and watch any, any one of these sitcoms without that live studio audience, without those laughs wouldn't it play so much different oh yeah for sure yeah i mean if you didn't have those laughs the the laughs the whatever it is that the audience is is providing during the moment of that acting for that episode yeah it would make it totally (laughs) different I, i watched a recent um kind of spoof on different shows with serious topics that they introduce like a laugh track into and it, yeah. and it is very offensive or like if in the reverse it should have had a laugh track and it doesn't it's very like oh yeah that doesn't work without the audience laughter that carries that forward into the next scene yeah hey, so um do you remember 
I've never been part of a live audience of a sitcom show. I don't think you have either, right? No, I wish I, I, wish I could, though. Yeah, that would be really awesome. But do you remember when we were, I mean, you were really, really young when we went to Florida for the first time as kids. I was old enough to remember a little bit of visiting Universal Studios and Nickelodeon Studios at Universal when it was Nickelodeon Studios. They had live action TV sets at that studio. Now, when we were there, they didn't have a show going on or anything, but we were able just to walk through the studio and where the people would sit as they looked down at the actors playing whatever episode it was for Nickelodeon at the time. Do you remember any of that or were you too young? I, a little bit like vaguely because I mean this was yeah we're talking like maybe 93. Yeah, yeah you, so were, was, you were yeah. really young three or four yeah. years old at the yeah, most. And I do, I mean, I, I remember like just bits and pieces of it. I, cause I do, I, I actually, I remember a little bit of, I remember we, we rode the, when it was still in existence, we rode the Back to the Future ride. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so cool to think, cause that was, I've got, uh, some vague memories of walking through that studio and yeah. I thought how cool would it be to be sitting in the seats as the audience watching yeah. them record a live episode of whatever Nickelodeon shows they were recording at the time but even thinking about these sitcom shows that we're talking about can you imagine just being in the audience of an I Love Lucy episode or in yeah. the audience of uh, a sitcom that is one of the great sitcoms that we know Man, how awesome would that be? Oh, yeah. Well, what's really, like, interesting, too, is, like, so they kind of take the same concept of, like, putting on a theater. Or, I mean, putting on a Oh, play yeah. It's like theater. a broad, what Broadway show, yeah, basically, right? Like, yeah. Like, they, they'll rehearse. Like, you know, they have, I mean, it, that's their job. That's their day job. I mean, throughout the whole week, they rehearse whatever episode they're getting ready to film. And after rehearsals, at the end of the week, they go and shoot it in front of a live studio audience, just like you would put up, perform a play in a theater at the end, you know, the weekend, Friday and Saturday. So they have all this time to rehearse uh, and they, and then they get to deliver it in front of this live studio audience. So yeah. you're right. Yeah. It would be like one of the best experiences ever. I think I, I, I I, I really think it's um, it would be something to uh, just be really neat to be a part of. Yeah. Because it, I mean, because I mean, it's what's I mean, it's out there. Like when it's uh, airs on television. I mean, the whole world. I mean, it's it's can it can be viewed by the whole world. So that's something cool to uh, kind of um, take in. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's dive into these decades that we cover here on Electric Entertainment. Seventies, eighties, nineties. Let's start in the seventies. Uh, I'm going to ask you, Ryan, what sitcoms jump out to you? from the 1970s as you think back of successful sitcoms from that decade yeah so 1970s i mean the definitely the show that uh the number one show that comes to my mind and i mean it's really regarded as probably one of the greatest sitcoms of all time if not the greatest sitcom of all time and i'm talking about uh cbs is all in the family from television city in hollywood boy the way glenn miller played Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those, Those were the days. days. And you knew when you were there. <laughs> Dance for girls and men, woman. 
Mr. We could use a man like Herbert Hoover again. Didn't need no welfare state. Everybody pulled his weight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All in the Family was really this. We really seen a different, we've seen a shift, right? So we, we kind of got out of them, feel good. Um, I almost kind of want to call them slapstick, but a, a very comedic approach in I Love Lucy, Andy Griffith Show, Honeymooners. Those were sitcoms that geared towards like nonstop laughter, right? Yep. Yep. It, it, it really focused on. Um, really that situation comedy but really when we kind of shifted decades and got into the 70s i really think the show that really uh, was really a pinpoint for the uh change in sitcoms or how they were approached so to speak was with all in the family because all in the family was one of them shows that oh my gosh it tackled so many different like serious issues, right? Yeah, but to think uh, of think of that though. So, so we just talked about uh, I Love Lucy, The Honeymooners, Andy Griffith Show, Dick Van Dyke. Think of all of those, and then think of what happened late in the '60s for America as a country, and then some of the shows that we're seeing that are coming up in the '70s. I mean, we went through a rough period there in the late '60s, and politics was a big part of that, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it re- actually, so yeah, then sitcoms and shows that started in the 70s, yeah, you're right, it, it really reflected where our country was at, not only the, the social issues, but yeah, it, it showed our, kind of, yeah, where the, the culture was at, I mean, because you're right, we went through, I mean, we saw two assassination yeah you've seen the president assassinated you've seen dr martin luther king assassinated you've seen bobby kennedy i mean how much could a country take in a short period of time and all of it kind of being wrapped around politics and social issues that were going on during that period yeah it was rare it was kind of it was definitely a very scary moment for our country uh, during kind of the late 60s because you didn't know i mean really yeah you you didn't know what to expect you didn't know if you were going to be here the next day i mean i mean look at uh going through the cuban missile crisis from the earlier in the decade in the 60s i mean you just you didn't know when war war could happen at any moment so and so i really think a lot of the studios uh, especially yeah cbs and abc nbc they really wanted to yeah they really wanted to focus and kind of show uh exactly where we were at 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 this time they wanted to focus on all these different topics like racism women's liberation that was probably one of the biggest things was uh women's rights i mean that was you know everybody especially women i'm it, it, that was a huge topic not only politically but socially religion religion was a huge topic as well yeah uh, so and, so what do you yeah. think with archie bunker i mean do, do you think how, how do you feel about the show do you think it was a good balance of uh left and right back and forth discussion and the reason I ask that, do you think a show like that could exist today? Uh, yeah, I, actually, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. I think it, it, it definitely could because I look at the, I mean, look at where we're at now. 
compared to what was this in the '70s. So yeah, look at where we were at 50 years ago. But do you think a, do you think a show could have a family dynamic like that and have the discussions today, or do you feel like what we experience politically is too polarized to have a show that can bring some comedic relief? to those discussions that are being had in the political world and our country as we know it in the current times that we live in. Yeah, I mean, it would be, I don't know, yeah, it would be kind of kind of hard if you do bring in that kind of family element, um, family dynamic with, with such serious topics or serious issues. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I really do. I, I, I think it would. Uh, because like right now yeah there, there's not too many sitcom shows on today's network that were uh anywhere close to all in the family yeah uh, but I, I i mean because think about it back then yeah there was um arguments and uh, there was debates thrown up about well, yeah they shouldn't be talking about this they shouldn't be talking about that um it's yeah. not suitable not suitable for television network at that time but it still got aired, though, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Which and was still, a huge success. Yeah, it's one of, arguably one of the greatest sitcoms of all time. So, I mean, in today's world, why couldn't something like that exist? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it would be... I don't know if you would be able to air an Archie Bunker in today's time. I'll put it that way. Really? Uh, but it would definitely be a good... Uh, it would be a good show to have the dynamic of the left and right debate. I think it's needed in today's time because we are so polarized we can't have a centered conversation, uh, it feels like. But we definitely need some comedic relief <laughs> wrapped around the political discussions that we have today with the we, it seems like we hear such extreme conversation and it's like really we don't need to be that far apart there are some middle ground discussion we can have we can have differing opinions left and right but let's let's be able to at least talk about those issues and i think that's the that's the beauty of what all in the family did it brought the conversation to the family and they weren't afraid to have the conversation and debate back and forth a lot of times now now uh, in the times we experience people's afraid to have the conversation because they they may offend one or the other and you know it it's healthy debate i think is always good so um let's keep going because i know we got a lot of shows within the decades sticking with the 70s sticking with politics and sticking with war man there was a big one in the 70s can you talk about uh, a sitcom that was I, th I think started maybe the year after all in the family um that really focused on a war during that time oh yeah mash <laughs> those uh it was kind of different right i mean it was it wasn't your typical uh what we were so used to and focused on with yeah. uh with the 
family dynamic or the family aspect. I mean, you you're thrown into you're uh, in the battleground, right? You're right in the tent where the the doctors are working on the injured. Yeah, and I mean that was kind of for the time very different. I you, I mean there was nothing like it on TV and really nothing like it since. And, and some great comedy around a very serious topic and a very very concerning issue of the time with the Vietnam War. Yeah, I mean that was kind of right. Yeah, it was right in the middle. I mean, we were at the tipping point really in the Vietnam War and because at the time it the Vietnam War was I mean it was uh, man, it was a headache. It was it was the kind of central issue that our country was focused on, and there was just so much negativity towards the war. And more importantly, the negativity was kind of stemmed from yeah, I mean, everyone who opposed and who were against the war. So with this show, Matt, yeah, it, it really was kind of like a uh, yeah, not only comic relief, but it was almost like the opposition to everyone who's against the war. Because yeah. you're right, there were so many people, so many people against the war. Like it was ridiculous. Like I mean, people will have their gripes and arguments on it as should we had been to war or not. But but yeah, Mass really, uh, they really uh, took a yeah, very good. I think a really good approach to um, situation. Yeah, for sure. So, a couple others I want to mention from the 70s before we jump into the 80s and start talking about some of those classics and one of my all-time favorites uh, in the 80s. We'll get to here in just a minute. I wanted to mention the Mary Tyler Moore show was, uh, it ran from 1970 to 1977. We also seen uh, Sanford and Son, which ran from 1972 to 1977. And one we briefly talked to, or talked about as a a recent pickup that I was able to score from Disc Replay, a local store in Terre Haute that we are able to get some really good deals from on physical media, One Day at a Time, which is actually a CBS sitcom that ran from 1975 to 1984 and is actually a show that is kind of focused on a family within a a mom and two daughters uh, that had recently relocated to a city within our state that we're from Uh, and actually it's kind of focused on the Indianapolis Indiana area so which is very cool show that I've been able to be able to watch uh, as a recent release by Shout Factory so there were several in the 1970s that were just really phenomenal shows I know we've talked in depth about All in the Family and and MASH which are are classics Uh, but there were there were a few others that we wanted to mention as well jumping into the 1980s Ryan the sitcom era just continued on but kind of kind of continued on in a little bit different way. The 1980s, we experienced a little bit of a different time with uh, that decade. So what kind of comes to mind as you think of the 1980s and the sitcom era? Yeah, uh, one that just really pops out at me is uh, they're, again, really focused and centered around the family. And it's the reason I'll mention it, because it is my favorite, probably my, this is probably my favorite, favorite sitcom of all okay. time and uh it stars a very young and talented michael j fox and the show oh, yeah. talks about his family ties i bet we've been together for a million years and i bet we've 
Oh yeah. 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 Family ties. Still politically though. Still politically and and differing opinions left and right politically within the family. So kind of along the lines of an all in the family, but but very different. Yeah. It was. uh, It it really. Yeah. It ran the whole decade from uh, 1982 to 1989. Came from NBC and it really centered on. Yeah. Uh, Michael J. Fox's character, Alex P. Keaton, uh, he's the young son of of his parents, played by Michael Gross and Meredith Baxter. They're, they're, his parents are really uh, very liberal. They're very hippie in a Reagan era. Yeah, yeah, they they they're really focused on that late sixties mentality, and 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 Alex P. Keaton's character, he's the yuppie. Uh, he he he's born for success. He wants to make more money than anybody else. Greed is good, right? Oh yeah, greed is good. So it really that that actually really made for I thought just a fantastic chemistry on screen. I mean, to see him just be so defiant and different towards his parents uh, made. For a very yeah interesting stretch, and it like I said, yeah, it ran for seven seasons. It had a very long lasting life on NBC. But yeah, they covered mainly political issues. But yeah, it just it made uh, it just made for yeah such a really good dynamic. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good sitcom. I actually enjoy still watching those uh, because of the dynamic that they had within the family. I, I just really enjoy, because uh, I, I, I like All in the Family as well, I, I really enjoy that debate and that back and forth, left and right within the family on the political discussion, but yet it's all... They're a family. They are together. It's one. And man, I just feel like our nation hungers for that. And we don't get enough of that. It's very, very divided. And you've seen a divided thought and dialogue within these shows, but then they came together as a family. And I think that's really important. So I, I really enjoy that one as well, but I'm going to say my all time favorite 1980s sitcom that is my all time favorite TV show that ran for 11 seasons, actually from 1982 to 1993. It, it actually had some spinoffs that we'll talk about or a spinoff that we'll talk about as well. But my favorite sitcom of all time is Cheers. Cheers is filmed before a live studio audience. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name. I just love Cheers. I love Norm walking in. Good afternoon, everybody. Norm! How you doing, Norm? What do you know? Not enough. 
and everybody saying, hey, Norm, and just the conversation around the bar that they had was just a, a classic sitcom, and I can see why it was so successful and ran for as long as it did just because it was such a you hear that opening theme and it just takes you right into that episode and every episode seemed to be a classic to me so i don't know what do you what are your thoughts when you think about cheers ryan oh yeah it, without a doubt probably like you want to call it a workplace but i mean it because it's set in a bar so oh I yeah consider, i consider that a workplace i mean yeah it, for most it, norm exactly, he was he was yeah. getting out of the workplace though to get a break from the world workplace right right but i mean you look at i mean it it was one of those shows that just like you said uh it, it had probably like the absolute best opening theme song ever oh, it's a classic yes yeah, and the imagery it makes you want to be in cheers right there there's actually yeah. i mean you can go to like a cheers bar that they've replicated at the location of where like the opening scene was which i've not made it to yet but that's on the bucket list to to yeah. see but i mean it makes you want to be right there when you hear that opening yeah. theme what i really liked about cheers was just that uh, it was just that one character sam malone i mean he oh, it, yeah. it it seemed like every episode he he had just this um when when he would talk to everyone that yeah. showed up bar yeah. from Frazier to norm i mean they he would always he would always instill in them some sort of like wisdom or some sort of um uh not just a pep talk but like just watching him talk to all these all these people in the bar like yeah it was just i mean yeah you're right it, it, it's definitely one one of the greatest shows uh, of all time yeah, for sure. Now, I know there's been a lot of drama and a lot of issues around the star of a show that a sitcom from the 1980s and a lot of I mean, we have to mention it here because it was such a classic that got its start in 1984 and one that I really enjoyed watching as a young kid and actually even into adulthood. I actually even own physical media copy of it as well and enjoy watching from time to time because it was just such a family-oriented show that was a about a doctor who but it wasn't about his practice his practice was kind of downstairs of the uh, family home the the episodes were all about the family and cliff huxtables the guy i'm talking about and the show that i'm talking about is the cosby show <laughs>
from 1984 to 1992. And I think there there was so many families across our nation that watched this that in similar fashion to like the I Love Lucy, Lucy show gathered together around the TV to watch these episodes because it was such a, a classic from the 1980s that, that people really enjoyed. So I don't know, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the Cosby show from the 1980s? Yeah, there again, that was another kind of similar to, especially in the 80s with family ties. It, it was, it had a great, great family dynamic. I mean, you're looking at, it was really, really the only like black family sitcom show, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it really kind of, uh, I would say gave the kind of platform to see the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air end up coming yeah. in the 90s, right? And uh, other shows like uh, comedy shows of In Living Collar. I, I think, yeah, you didn't see a predominantly African-American family on TV until really the Cosby show brought that and it brought it in a big way. I mean, he was like the he was America's dad at the time for yeah. that show. Everybody was watching it, be it white or black or or what have you. Everybody loved the Cosby show and the Huxtable family. What what you started also seeing too is, and I you, I noticed this too with a lot of uh, comedians. So you, it, a lot of stand-up comedians would take this platform of a sitcom and really branch out, so to speak. So Bill Cosby, known for his stand-up comedy, I mean, he that's what he was before his claim his claim to fame was he was a comedian so having hit this show the cosby show it really put him out there it really branched out and you kind of see that in a following decade with jerry seinfeld so yeah i i really like that aspect of not only just it being a comedy uh, not not only it being a sitcom but you actually have a like a, a professionally a professionally comedian who's the star of the show so yeah he he, he was able to deliver uh, slightly a little bit different comedy yeah for sure a couple others before we jump into the 90s decade that i i wanted to mention because actually we've mentioned a few briefly but i want to i want to touch on just a couple others before we get into the 90s because there's a couple that we've mentioned that's going to get kind of a more of a conversation in the 90s but classic 1980s that i feel it it was a a kind of a unique it had a character in it that was kind of a i guess alien type character is alf um this man claims he saw some hideous creature with a huge nose wearing a blue dress <laughs> it's one of them talking dolls. Oh, yeah? Ever have a talking doll rip out your voice box? <laughs> he says it talked to him. It did. I swear. Thank you, Lynn. I think I'll be going home now. Where are you now? What are you doing? I'm in the bedroom wearing a blue dress. Don't move from that spot. Where would I go? I don't have the right shoes. First, I can't use the radio. Now I can't use the phone. What next? The curling iron? Your toothbrush? You use my toothbrush? Yours is the green one, right? It was. No, I still think I should have brought her something, you know? Some flowers, some candy, a Rambo doll. Alf, you don't have to bring her anything. You mean you gals don't care about that sort of thing? Well, we care a lot, but it's too late. Maybe not. Let me see what Willie's got in his coat. <clears throat> ah! 
Ah! Oh my gosh, it's somebody's hand! Do you remember the, the sitcom ALF, Ryan? Have you ever oh, watched yeah. ALF? Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it had several episodes. Actually, ran from 1986 to 1990, so a few years it had that. Yeah. But actually, a couple others. One I really love. I remember watching this as a, a kid, and actually, when the DVD box set came out from, I think it was Time Life. It was not very cheap, but I had to get it. Was Mama's Family. Mama was actually a spinoff from the Carol Burnett show back, what, early, I guess, 70s. Carol Burnett yep. was the was that time. Well, Mama's Family was a spinoff of that. And then another big one that got a start uh, in the 1980s and actually ran into the 90s was the Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. Travel. Golden Girls ran from 1985 to 1992, and and unfortunately, at the end of 2021, we lost Betty White, the last of the Golden Girls. Uh, so rest in peace, Betty White. But the Golden Girls was a classic, and I know it still has shows that are running every night on some channel and actually still oh, yeah. has marathons where it's like non-stop golden girls that run constantly right. last one i want to mention before we jump into the 90s which this show really had the majority of its time in the 90s but it got its start in 1988 which similar to another one that we'll talk about in the 90s got its start in 1989. 1988, we've seen the start of Roseanne.
which is a family classic. And uh, we've talked about Seinfeld a couple times. Seinfeld actually got its start in the late 80s as well. So like 1989, I believe. I'm always in traffic with the lane expert. You know this type of person? Constantly re-evaluating their lane choice. Never quite sure, is this the best lane for me, for my life? But always a little bit ahead of you. Can I get in over there? Can I get ahead of you? Can I get in there? Yeah, come on over here, pal. We're zooming over here. This is the secret lane. Nobody knows about it. The ultimate, I think the ultimate psychological test of traffic is the total dead stop. Not even rolling. And you look out the window, you can see gum clearly. But we know that in the future, traffic will get even worse than that. I mean, what will happen? Will it start moving backwards, I wonder? I mean, is that possible that someday we'll be going, boy, this is some really bad traffic now, boy. This is really bad. I'm going to try and get off and get back on going the other way. Um, but actually ran through the 90s. So let's jump into the 90s with Seinfeld as uh, one of the classics. Uh, but like I say, Roseanne ran all the way into 1997. And you know what? I remember watching Roseanne uh, not every night, but many, many, many nights as a kid, uh, which was a classic. And still watching Roseanne today. And again, there's a conflicts with Roseanne as well with, with things that have happened there. But a classic sitcom, to say the least. But gosh, Seinfeld, yeah. what a classic. Maybe a, a number one. Oh, yeah. Well, real quick, I, I just want to say on Roseanne. Oh, what, okay. What I, what I really liked about Roseanne, I, I really felt like she tapped in a little to kind of that very kind of goofball, innocent slapstick comedy oh, that yeah. Lucy Ball brought from the I Love Lucy show. And we hadn't seen that for many, many years. We hadn't seen a lead female like at the forefront of a sitcom show since I Love Lucy. And yeah. Roseanne just dominated, right? Oh, yeah. Roseanne was, I mean, totally different. Totally different, but very the same in right. on comedic genius from the actress at, being Lucille Ball and, and Roseanne as well. She brought some of the same kind of dynamic that Lucy brought to the table, but in a very different way, but seen very much the same successes that Roseanne had brought for the 80s and 90s decade of individuals in the sitcom era. And, you know, I, I think, yeah, seen a lot of success with that. Uni I guess one thing, bringing it back to home, Indiana, uh, yeah. the opening scenes of Roseanne was actually shot and filmed with a home in Evansville, Indiana for the opening credits, I guess you'd say, for the Roseanne sitcom. So kind of ties yeah. it back to hometown state here of, of Indiana. So that was, I didn't learn that until way, way later in life and, and was really surprised by that. But yeah, I would say Roseanne seen a lot of success with her comedy, similar to what Lucille Ball did way back in the 50s, but just in a, in a different way, reaching a different generation of people. Yeah, it says a lot about especially the writers who, and that's kind of why they had that opening scene, that opening shot that was on a house in Evansville. Those the, the writers of Roseanne were, yeah, Indi uh, from Indiana. So yeah, it's cool. Uh, 
so yeah it is it's kind of neat to have be a part of kind of history like that but yeah let's get into yeah seinfeld Sein, so seinfeld oh there's so much to say about it so seinfeld was a show that i mean it at the beginning it really it wasn't geared to be successful like it wasn't it, when nbc created it they didn't think it was going to be a platform to where it was going to be like this thing or this long-lasting show right yeah um, they, they approached it as so Jerry Seinfeld is a stand-up comedian and he has some writers who they think they kind of have a show that they could write on and it was going to be called like uh, it was kind of a real weird like it was just going to be called the Chronic, uh, the Seinfeld Chronicles and so a lot of people especially like the higher-ups in the studio they felt like well that sounds like a, like a newspaper they're like that does not sound like a TV show name and they're like why don't we just go with your last name Seinfeld so <laughs> So yeah. a lot of things were kind of like, like, yeah, a lot of, at the, at the beginning, they were kind of like uh, put together, like pasted, you know, like uh, a lot of things they, they, they just kind of, yeah, threw up against the wall to see if it stick. But so uh, now a lot of people will, when they look at Seinfeld, they'll, they'll say, man, that's like one of the worst shows ever. And I get that a lot. I, I talk to a lot of people and they say, man, Seinfeld. Man, that show is terrible. That's awful. <laughs> uh, it's like, how do you I, have an episode after episode talking about nothing? <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, though, like, I think it's probably one of probably probably the best show from the nineties. Like, oh yeah, the best, the best. Yeah, I think I, so. Because, yeah, because you're right. It's a show about nothing. It, it, they, so I mean, a lot of the episodes is focused on just the meaningless things. Like, there's an episode where they. The whole focus was about this shirt that Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> wore on an appearance of a TV show. They're yeah. like they called the puffy shirt, or or the or the episode where they 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 don't know where they park their car. They get lost in a parking garage. I mean, how dumb is that? But yeah. it's very interesting. Like I I enjoy. I I love Seinfeld. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I I think it's great. You know, I didn't really appreciate it. Early, like during the 90s when it was out when yeah. I was a kid I was the one that was like what in the world is this show and never yeah. appreciated it actually until later in life when I, I actually started watching it and it was like yeah it doesn't it doesn't really have a uh, meaning in the episodes but it's just great comedy it, it's just yeah. a great show it's it's what I really like about it. It's what I call like, yeah, conversation comedy. Like it, almost yeah. every episode is full of nothing but conversations. But I really find that interesting. Like I, I, yeah, I, I like, I, it's, yeah, it's, I, it's about the camaraderie too of, of the group of the individuals yeah. in it. I mean, it wouldn't be Seinfeld without the actors portraying who they were in the show itself. I mean, that's yeah. what makes it great too. I mean, how many times, how many episodes did, just Kramer come busting through Jerry Seinfeld's <laughs> front door of his apartment. I mean, it, I mean, it, it, that he does that in almost every episode. Yeah, but you know it's coming, but you just don't know yeah. at what point. Exactly. Yeah, and uh, another thing that uh, we kind of can touch back on is that live studio uh, aspect. Like they, I, I, I almost want to say, yeah, they, they like kind of programmed themselves like they, they know when it's coming like yeah that's what i like about seinfeld too not you like, can expect only, it yeah like they're i mean because like you said if you watch especially yeah seinfeld if you watch it like without the laughs like a studio like a live studio audience I yeah mean, it'd it be would like change watching, it yeah yeah it'd be like watching paint dry or something yeah, it'd be yeah totally different so 
So it's a very important element in the sitcom. Yeah. So we talked about Cheers, and I wanted to talk about a spinoff from Cheers that we seen get its start in the 90s as well. And I think this is one of your favorites also. And I remember watching the guy in uh, Cheers and always, I, I mean, he was such, you always remembered the guy. And I wasn't surprised when we seen a spinoff with him and just the dynamic that he had within that show and what he carried forward into this show that we've seen start up in the 90s. You you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, Frazier. What are you still doing with that? I thought you were going to return it. They wouldn't take it back. All I got was some attitude and a cheap glass of wine. Loire Valley, my ass. <laughs> so what are you going to do now? Well, they forced my hand. I'm going to call the police. Five, 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 three thousand. <laughs> Trying to mess with Dr. Fraser Crane. I'll teach them. Hello, yes. Uh, oh, just a second. Dad, who do I ask for? I haven't put you through to the fine arts forgery department. Right. <laughs> Hello, yes. Uh, the fine arts forgery department, please. They're laughing at All right, yeah. so what's your thoughts on Frasier? Oh, yeah, Frasier. There again, another uh, just fantastic sitcom. That So that was a character, yeah. I mean, he's spent a lifetime on the show Cheers on 11 seasons, right? I mean, yeah. I'm talking like for a decade of being on Cheers. It's like, what else, what more can you do with this character? But if you think about it, the character, uh, Frasier, that Kelsey Grammer played in Cheers, I mean, yeah, he was on Cheers a lot, but he wasn't like on, he was he, he he became a regular later on, right, in the series. Yeah. Because we're talking like I don't know, maybe the first five, six seasons of Cheers, he he wasn't really a regular. He was more kind of just like a supporting role. Yeah. But then later on, he became a regular. But but yeah, this, this show Frasier, like it there there's I mean. I almost want to call him like kind of like the male version of Lucy. Like that's kind of the, <laughs> he had such great, great comic timing, and it was so such great slapstick comedy, right? Yeah. Um, and he he what made it great too was the cast. Like he had a great cast that to play off of from uh, John Mahoney playing his dad, Martin Crane, his brother. Oh yeah. Niles, Niles played by David Hyde Pierce, and then his housekeeper Daphne. And who had a British accent, and they, I mean, the things they got, some of the episodes were just, I mean, just so good, like such goofball. I remember I, probably one of my favorite ones uh, was when they try to go on this camping trip, and Frazier, I think they rent an RV, and it's it's Frazier, his brother, his dad, and they're all on this <laughs> RV, and and they're work, and they cross the border, right? Because they're, yeah. they're in Seattle, Washington. They they go into Canada. Well, they can't. That they they're worried because you know <laughs> Daphne's like her. What is it? Her 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 was it her green card? I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's the. Is it expired? I guess that passport or yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, so they're like half afraid to, to like, uh, <laughs> you know, go so. 
the whole the whole like episode is they basically yeah they don't they end up I don't even think they end up getting into Canada. Yeah. But what's great about it is almost you want to call it like a bottle episode. That's really what it was. They were all stuck in that RV, and the whole episode took place on that RV. And <laughs> there was just so much. Just I don't know. There was so much good comedy in it. Yeah, yeah, it was a good one. So I know we're we're going over on time a little bit, and we got a couple more things to talk about. But you can't talk about the '90s without talking about probably one of the most popular television shows of all time. And it actually got its start in 94 and ran through 2004. And I'm sure you know the show I'm talking about, Ryan. I'll give you one guess. What do you think? Oh, what, what'd you say? 94 to 2004? Yeah. Um, oh, man, I know. I'm, I'm going to feel like an idiot for not, not knowing this. Um, so I got two in mind, but I know it's not them because I know the years that they started. What is, you got to tell Friends. Friends is, I don't know if it's the most popular television show, but it seems like everybody loves Friends. And I, I've seen a lot of, like, even recently, just, like, T-shirts and just oh, yeah. merch-type stuff that you see out with uh, the Friends logo, the coffee shop, or even just taking a, a, a spoof of Friends and putting something else kind of in the same types of writing it's like man friends in the 90s was was a big thing for television yeah it was very uh pop culture and and really it's one of those few shows that years later found an even bigger audience because you know a streaming oh yeah uh, i mean a streaming service and what i'm talking about is netflix like they they when they bought the rights to it now they lost the rights eventually because hbo max owns it now but you know at the time when it first debuted on uh, streaming service netflix it found a whole new audience with a much younger generation so yeah. I, I i think that's where it continues yeah to, to not only resonate but also to have such a big impact because yeah you've got this brand new a whole new audience whole brand new young audience to enjoy it and to kind of yeah not only merchandise wise but uh just to continue to uh continue watching it and and uh enjoying it like it the past audience did you know so yeah yeah it's one of the shows that i i think will not only continue uh through like streaming services but um it's it it's going it will always be yeah one of them shows that just yeah just kind of really resonates with because yeah it had so like so so many um classic catchphrases too uh i mean i hear pivot all the time because i mean 
it's it i mean i'll be honest i i haven't like i've seen a lot of tv shows and i have i've watched friends but i've never like watched the whole series and there's only few shows out there that i have watched the whole series of um and i mean i'll be honest i'm i'm not i'm not a fan i'm not a huge fan of friends i, I never got into it um, okay. but i i respect and understand like the following that it has and i and i understand its impact and and it, it is a huge show it really is yeah um, so, but i lean more towards another show from the 90s that featured young kids but go ahead well, I was just going to say, as we kind of round the 90s out, I was going to mention just a few that we want to yeah. highlight from the 90s. And I know there's so many, but I, I had mentioned the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You know, The Nanny yeah. was another big one. And Blossom actually got its start oh. in 1990. I mean, you could the list just goes on and on. But yeah, I'll let yeah. you round out the 90s, and then we'll kind of close with just... Where where did the sitcoms go as we know it kind of today? But yeah, let's let's end the '90s with the one you're thinking of, and then we'll we'll wrap up. All right. So yeah, I got actually two that these two they both debuted the same year at the end of the '90s. They both came out in 1998. Uh, the first one is one that was uh, very controversial, and it was actually very groundbreaking for the time. Okay. And I am talking about Will and Grace. <laughs> Grace was about a young woman living with a gay man. Yeah. And it was just unheard of at the time. There was no show, especially a sitcom, there was no show on cable network that featured, you know, uh, I mean, let's we'll say it, yeah, uh, people, you know, gay people. I mean, it, it was very unique, and I mean, and it just made for, I, it, I mean, it made for great television because, uh, you know, uh, Eric McCormick uh, playing. Uh, the character Will and Deborah Messing playing Grace, they had just this uncanny chemistry, unbelievable chemistry. And then you throw in uh, Megan Mahali and Sean Hayes, and it was just, it, it was a comedy we hadn't seen before. Yeah, very successful. Yeah, you're dealing with, I mean, you know, a whole new, uh, just a depth, just a different like uh, aspect of. Uh, the sitcom because yeah we've we've never seen you know this kind of approach to a sitcom so so yeah it was just such such a good comedy and then just one more show uh this is like i said this this is this is for me this is my friends this okay. show i'm gonna mention um and this was yeah another show came out in 1998 so the tail end of the 90s um and the show i'm talking about is that 70s show <laughs> Yeah, that 70s show had, I mean, 
the the stars of the show were the kids, just like yeah. Friends. They were a little bit younger than the Friends. The Friends were like, you know, early 20s. That 70s show, when it started, they were kids in high school. It was a group of friends living in the middle of Wisconsin, and it was in the mid-70s, you know, a very prominent time in our country. But um, it was about this kid, yeah, uh, who hung out in his basement with his friends, and, <laughs> you know, and it was all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. He had one of the, like, the most uh, toughest dads in the world, Red Foreman, and <laughs> it was just such a good, like, I mean, a good dynamic. You saw, I mean, that was the typical teenager, right? Growing up, your dad's hard on you for different things, and you, you know, you lean towards your friends for like support and comfort, and yeah. but your dad's always there in the background, you know, saying, <laughs> "Do right, do right," or I'll put my foot up your, you know. So, yeah, but so yeah, it was it was definitely one of my um, all time favorite shows, without a doubt. Okay. So that that kind of wraps us for the 90s. I know we've seen a lot through the 2000s just with different different shows like The Office and Arrested Development, Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, How I Met Your Mother, 2010s Modern Family, Parks and Rec, Hot in Cleveland. You know, I mean, where do you think, I mean, we've seen changes throughout the decades with the sitcom and... Uh, being live in front of a studio audience, where do you think we are with the sitcoms and audience, and what do you think the approach is nowadays in the 2020s as as we know it with the shows that we see and watch and consume? And do you ever think we'll have kind of those big kind of sitcoms as we've known them in the past that we've talked about throughout an hour's worth of more than an hour's worth of conversation do you feel like we'll ever get those again or or have we changed it's i mean it's really really hard to say a lot of them shows you just mentioned from modern family to office uh a lot of those shows they all have um a lot in common and that is yeah they're missing that huge big element of a live studio audience i mean it's they're they're all multi-camera uh, in in kind of a fast-paced environment, and yeah. it, it and you're right. Like you don't you don't see a whole lot of sitcoms anymore, and especially in today's age. And really, they're starting to rely a lot on like uh, a lot of these older uh, shows. Like they're they're bringing back what has worked and that same formula but just doing like a sequel to it or yeah. a reboot or a remake or a follow-up but i don't know it i i i hope that one day we'll come across we'll we'll come into an era where sitcoms are cool again right like yeah i want to see like i i know we're we kind of have been the last few years especially this last era we've been really in the, like the reality era, right? Where, yep. where a lot of these shows are really reality based. Not only are they like competition shows from uh, talent shows to sing and to dance and whatever to like, uh, to like shows that are really live action, like action packed from like NCIS to law and order to, you know, a lot of these law enforcement shows, right. Or hospital yeah. shows in like Grey's Anatomy but I really would like to see eventually a lot of these networks um, go back to where the full 
programming was nothing but sitcoms. Like, like I would love to see like a big, like, um, like a big growth. Like I'd love to see sitcoms. Yeah. Return to like shows, like, like I want to see shows created, like how they were back then. Like I want to see something brought out that's similar to an, I love Lucy or an Andy Griffith or a honeymooners or cheers. Right. Like you, you you want to see that and it's hard i i really think it is i i it, it comes really down to writers and uh, being it comes down to creativity yeah it comes down to being creative and you got to have the right people uh, i mean because people I, I guarantee you there's writers and there's producers out there that have so many pitches thrown to different networks from nbc to cbs and they pitch so much and yeah, they could put it on the air, but I mean, nine times out of ten, uh, it's gonna it's gonna get canceled or rejected because it's just not good. But there's something to be said for the shows that we just talked about. Um, they're very special, very unique. Um, they're hard to come by. I mean, it it's really hard. I think it is, especially in today's world. It, I mean, I'm not a writer, so I can't speak for a writer, but I, I, I would have to say it's hard to write in today's kind of market because look at everything that's already been out there. Look at everything that's been produced. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're here actually talking about this because of all of these classics that we've had yeah. and the success they've seen because, I mean, it. I think even in today's time, it is definitely wanted by the entertainment consumer, at least from two guys here talking in these microphones about all of all of these shows that we've loved. And I, I would have to agree, we we're doing this episode to uh, try to make the sitcom school again. So if it, any of you writers or producers or gosh even the cbs's and nbc's of the world out there please bring back the sitcoms as we know them uh we we would definitely love to see some good takes of uh the old classics rolled in with some new up-to-date kind of in our times experiences so we're all for it bring back the live studio audience we're we're definitely uh wanting to hear the cheers and the the laughs and all of that that we loved in the history of the sitcoms throughout the decade. So I know we've gone long, but we hope you guys have appreciated some conversation, some blasts to the past of the sitcoms that we've all loved, enjoyed. There's so many that you can talk about. There's so many through each decade. We we just appreciate all of the hard work and efforts that the writers and studios have put together and the fans out there cheering them on in the uh, live studio audiences that that we've had throughout the many, many years of the sitcom era. And we just hope it doesn't die. We hope it remains alive and hopefully we will see more and more great sitcoms that we can come back to future episodes and talk about the greats from the 2020s and even the ones that we don't know about moving into the future. So if you've enjoyed this, subscribe to our channel. That way you're getting all the latest episodes that drop on a at least every two-week basis. Um, 
Like we said early in the episode, we're coming at you with a lot of bonus content because we've got a lot to talk about with entertainment, specifically 70s, 80s, and 90s. But as you know, we kind of talk about stuff older, like you've heard about a little bit here on this episode, and some of the newer stuff, um, like in some of our previous episodes with new movies that are dropping in a theater near you. So if you are not subscribed, you need to be. That way you're getting all the latest episodes. If you haven't checked out our social media pages, we have a lot to offer. Really check out those letterbox reviews that Ryan's putting out there multiple times a week. That way you can hear the latest, read the latest on the great shows throughout all of these decades. And if you haven't seen them, check them out for the first time. And if you haven't seen them in a while, pull them off the shelf and uh, get a fresh watch on them. Until our next episode, this is Chris and Ryan. We will catch you next time on Electric Entertainment. Peace out.